0: We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Monday, March 6th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. That would be episode 187, I believe. I am Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith comes from hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org um, definitely would recommend it. There are wonderful wonderful podcasts over there more than you can more than you can have time to listen to, but definitely worth your while They cover a broad broad spectrum of uh, topics uh, definitely worth your while. Um, I would also continue to point you at the final link in our show notes. It is for the Vale Valley Baptist Church Give and Go campaign. We are striving to rapidly pay off our mortgage so that we can shift gears and commence establishment of a Christian classical education-based school. Um, so go ahead and click on the link. Go take read about what we're trying to do and why we're trying to do it. We're trying to pro- provide an alternative, you know, an option. For parents in this area, an alternative to what is currently offered. Um, So we would ask three things, excuse me, three things of you. We would ask you to pray for us. We would ask you to prayerfully consider giving to us. And we would ask you to pass the link on for other people to read and make that same decision. All right. Well, we're going to be continuing this in this morning segment with our reading through the Bible in a year, that that plan, and then this evening we'll be continuing on in our reading of Thomas Watson's The Godly Man's Picture. So let's go ahead and open up this morning. Uh, with it being Monday morning, we'll open it up with the second day morning prayer called God Over All. Let's pray. O God all-sufficient, thou hast made and upholdest all things. By the word of thy power, darkness of thy pavilion, thou wa- I'm sorry darkness is thy pavilion thou walkest on the wings of the wind all nations are nothing before thee one generation succeeds another and we hasten back to the dust the heavens we behold will vanish away like the clouds that cover them the earth we tread on will dissolve as a morning dream but thou unchangeable and incorruptible art forever and ever God over all blessed eternally infinitely great and glorious art thou we are thy offspring in thy care Thy hands have made and fashioned us. Thou hast watched over us with more than parental love, more than maternal tenderness. Thou hast holden our soul in life and not suffered our feet to be moved. Thy divine power has given us all things necessary for life and godliness. Let us bless thee at all times and forget not how thou hast forgiven our iniquities, healed our diseases, redeemed our lives from destruction, crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfied our mouths with good things, renewed our youth like the eagles. May thy holy scripture, scriptures govern every part of our lives and regulate the discharge of all our duties, so that we may adorn thy doctrine in all things. Amen. All right, and now our morning devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for March 6th. The text is from John 3:7. Ye must be born again. Regeneration is a subject which lies at the very basis of salvation, and we should be very diligent to take heed that we really are born again, for there are many who fancy they are who are not. Be assured that the name of a Christian is not the nature of a Christian, and that being born in a Christian land, and being recognized as professing the Christian religion, is of no avail whatever, unless there be something more added to it the being born again is a matter so mysterious that human words cannot describe it the wind bloweth where it listeth and thou hearest the sound thereof but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth so is every one that is born of the spirit nevertheless it is a change which is known and felt known by works of holiness and felt by a gracious experience This great work is supernatural. It is not an operation which a man performs for himself. A new principle is infused which works in the heart, renews the soul, and affects the entire man. It is not a change of my name, but a renewal of my nature, so that I am not the man I used to be, but a new man in Christ Jesus. To wash and dress a corpse is a far different thing from making it alive. Man can do the one. God alone can do the other. If you have then been born again, your acknowledgement will be, O Lord Jesus, the everlasting Father, thou art my spiritual parent. Unless thy spirit had breathed into me the breath of a new holy and spiritual life, I had been to this day dead in trespasses and sins. My heavenly life is wholly derived from thee, to thee I ascribe it. My life is hid with Christ in God. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who liveth in me. May the Lord enable us to be well assured on this vital point. For to be unregenerate is to be unsaved, unpardoned, without God, and without hope. All right, now we're going to start our reading. We're going to be reading number six and seven, and then parts of Mark 12 and 13, Psalm 49, and then a couple verses in Proverbs 10. So let's start. Number six. Hear the word of the Lord. Again Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When a man or woman makes a special vow, the vow of a Nazarite, to dedicate himself as a Nazarite to Yahweh, he shall abstain as a Nazarite from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar, whether made from wine or strong drink, nor shall he drink any grape juice, nor eat fresh or dried grapes. All the days of his Nazarite vow, he shall not eat anything that is produced by the grapevine, from the seeds even to the skin. All the days of his vow as a Nazarite, no razor shall pass over his head. He shall be holy until the days are fulfilled, for which he dedicated himself as a Nazarite to Yahweh. He shall let the locks of hair on his head grow long. All the days of his dedication as a Nazarite to Yahweh, he shall not go near to a dead person. He shall not defile himself for his father or for his mother for his brother or for his sister when they die because the Nazarite vow to his God is on his head all the days of his Nazarite vow he is holy to Yahweh, but if a man dies very suddenly beside him and he defiles the head of hair during the, his Nazarite vow, then he shall shave his head on the day when he becomes clean on the day when he becomes clean. he shall shave it on the seventh day, then on the eighth day. He shall bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons to the priest, to the doorway of the tent of meeting. And the priest shall offer one for a sin offering, and the other for a burnt offering, and make atonement for him concerning his sin, because of the dead person. And that same day he shall set apart his head as holy, and shall dedicate to Yahweh the days of his Nazarite vow, and shall bring a male lamb a year old for a guilt offering. But the former days will be void, because his Nazarite vow was defiled." Now this is the law of the Nazarite, when the days of his Nazarite vow are fulfilled. He shall bring the offering to the doorway of the tent of meeting, and he shall bring his offering near to Yahweh, one male lamb a year old, without blemish, for a burnt offering, and one ewe lamb a year old, without blemish, for a sin offering, and one ram without blemish, for a peace offering, and a basket of unleavened cakes of fine flour, mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers spread with oil, along with their grain offering and their drink offering. Then the priest shall bring them near before Yahweh, and shall offer his sin offering and his burnt offering. He shall also offer with the man, with the ram, a sacrifice of peace offerings to Yahweh, together with the basket of unleavened cakes. The priest shall likewise offer its grain offering and its drink offering. The Nazarite shall then shave the head of hair for his Nazarite vow at the doorway of the tent of meeting, and take the hair of his head of his Nazarite vow, and put it on the fire which is under the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall take the ram's shoulder when it has been boiled, and one unleavened cake out of the basket, and one unleavened wafer, and shall put them on the hands of the Nazarite, after he has shaved the hair of his Nazarite vow. Then the priest shall wave them for a wave offering before Yahweh. It is holy for the priest, together with the breast offered by waving, and the thigh offered by raising up, and afterward the Nazarite may drink wine. This is the law of the Nazarite, who vows his offering to Yahweh, according to his Nazarite vow, in addition to what else he can afford, according to his vow, which he takes, so he shall do according to the law of his Nazarite vow. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Yahweh lift up his face on you and give you peace. So they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel. And then, and I then will bless them. All right, number seven. Now it happened on the day that Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle, that he anointed it, and set it apart as holy with all its furnishings, and the altar and all its utensils. He anointed them and set them apart as holy. Then the leaders of Israel, the heads of their fathers' households, brought an offering near. They were the leaders of the tribes. They were the ones who were over the numbered men. And they brought their offering before Yahweh, six covered carts and twelve oxen a cart for every two of the leaders and an ox for each one and they brought them near before the tabernacle then yahweh spoke to moses saying accept these things from them that they may be used in the service of the tent of meeting and ye shall give them to the levites to each man according to his service So Moses took the carts and the oxen, and gave them to the Levites. Two carts and four oxen he gave to the sons of Gershon, according to their service. And four carts and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Merari, according to their service, under the direction of Ithamar the son of Aaron the priest. But he did not give any to the sons of Kohath, because theirs was the service of the holy objects, which they carried on the shoulder. And the leaders brought near the dedication offering for the altar when it was anointed. So the leaders brought their offering near before the the altar. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Let them bring their offering near, one leader each day, for the dedication of the altar. Now the one who brought his offering near on the first day was Nashon the son of Aminadab of the tribe of Judah. And his offering was one silver dish, whose weight was a 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb one year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings. Two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old. This was the offering of Nashon, the son of Aminadab. On the second day, Nethanel, the son of Zuar, leader of Issachar, brought an offering near. He brought near as his offering, one silver dish, whose weight was a 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering one gold pan of ten shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, one year old, for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old. This was the offering of Nethanel, the son of Zuar. On the third day, it was Eliab, the son of Helon, leader of the sons of Zebulun. His offering was one silver dish, whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels, full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, one year old, for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old. This was the offering of Eliab, the son of Helon. On the fourth day it was Eleazar, the son of Shedir, leader of the sons of Reuben. His offering was one silver dish whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering one gold pan of ten shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, one year old, for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old. This was the offering of Eleazar, the son of Sheder. On the fifth day it was Shalumiel, the son of Zerushadai, leader of the sons of Simeon his offering was one silver dish whose weight was a hundred and thirty shekels one silver bowl of seventy shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary both of them full of the fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering one gold pan of ten shekels full of incense one bull from the herd one ram one male lamb one year old for a burnt offering one male goat for a sin offering and for the sacrifice of peace offerings two oxen five rams five male goats five male lambs one year old This was the offering of Shalumiel, the son of Zerushadai. On the sixth day, it was Eliasaph, the son of Duol, leader of the sons of Gad. His offering was one silver dish, whose weight was a 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, One male lamb, one year old, for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old. This was the offering of Eliasaph, the son of Duel. On the seventh day, it was Elishamah, the son of Amihud, leader of the sons of Ephraim. His offering was one silver dish, whose weight was a hundred and thirty shekels, one silver bowl of seventy shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold pan of ten shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, one year old, for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old, this was the offering of Elishama the son of Amihud. On the eighth day, it was Gamaliel, the son of Pedeser, leader of the sons of Manasseh. His offering was one silver dish, whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour, mixed with oil for a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, one year old, for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old. This was the offering of Gamaliel, the son of Pedazur. On the ninth day, it was Abidan the son of Gideoni, leader of the sons of Benjamin. His offering was one silver dish, whose weight was a 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering one gold pan of ten shekels, full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, one year old, for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old. This was the offering of Abidan the son of Gideoni. On the tenth day it was Ahazer, the son of Amishadai, leader of the sons of Dan. His offering was one silver dish whose weight was 130 shekels one silver bowl of 70 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense one bull from the herd one ram one male lamb one year old for a burnt offering one male goat for a sin offering and for the sacrifice of peace offerings two oxen five rams five male goats five male lambs one year old This was the offering of Ahazer, the son of Amishadai. On the eleventh day, it was Pagiel, the son of Okran, leader of the sons of Asher. His offering was one silver dish whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering one gold pan of ten shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, one year old, for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs, one year old. This was the offering of Pagiel, the son of Okran. On the twelfth day, it was Ahira, the son of Enan, leader of the sons of Naphtali his offering was one silver dish whose weight was a hundred and thirty shekels one silver bowl of seventy shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering one gold pan of ten shekels full of incense one bull from the herd one ram one male lamb one year old for a burnt offering one male goat for a sin offering and for the sacrifice of peace offerings two oxen five rams five male goats five male lambs one year old this was the offering of Ahira the son of Enan. This was the dedication offering for the altar from the leaders of Israel, when it was anointed, twelve silver dishes, twelve silver bowls, twelve gold pans, each silver dish weighing 130 shekels, and each bowl 70. All the silver of the utensils was 2400 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The twelve gold pans full of incense weighing 10 shekels apiece, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. All the gold of the pans, a hundred and twenty shekels. All the oxen for the burnt offering, twelve bulls. All the rams, twelve. The male lambs, one year old, with their grain offering, twelve. And the male goats for a sin offering, twelve. And all the oxen for the sacrifice of peace offerings, twenty-four bulls. All the rams, sixty. The male goats, sixty. The male lambs, one year old, sixty. This was the dedication offering for the altar after it was anointed. Now, when Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with him, he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim. So he spoke to him. All right. Now, Mark 12 verses 38 to 44. And then we'll be into Mark 13 and in his teaching he was saying beware of the scribes who want to walk around in long robes and want respectful greetings in the marketplace and best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets who devour widows houses and for appearances sake offer long prayers these will receive greater condemnation and he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the crowd was putting money into the treasury and many rich people were putting in large sums And a poor widow came and put in two lepta, which amount to a quadrants. And calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all those putting money into the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all she owned, all she had to live on. Mark 13 verses 1 through 13 And as he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, Behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew were questioning him privately. Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? And Jesus began to say to them, See to it that no one deceives you many will come in my name saying i am he and will mislead many and when you hear of wars and rumors of wars do not be alarmed those things must take place but that is not yet the end for nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom there will be earthquakes in various places there will also be famines these things are merely the beginning of birth pains but see to yourselves For they will deliver you to the courts, and you will be beaten in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake, as a witness to them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all the nations. And when they lead you away, delivering you up, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. And brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. All right. And Psalm 49. For the choir director of the sons of Korah, a psalm. Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth will speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart will be discernment. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will express my riddle on the harp. Why should I fear in days of evil, when the iniquity of my supplanters surrounds me? Even those who trust in their wealth and boast in the abundance of their riches. Truly no man can redeem his brother. He cannot give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption price for their soul is costly, and it ceases forever." that he should live on eternally, that he should not see corruption. For he sees that even wise men die, the fool and the senseless alike perish, and leave their wealth to others. Their inner thought is that their houses are forever, and their dwelling place from generation to generation. They have called their lands after their own names. But man in his honor will not endure. He is like the animals that perish. This is the way of those who are foolish, and of those after them who are pleased with their words. Selah. As sheep they are appointed for Sheol, death will shepherd them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their form shall be for Sheol to consume, far away from his habitation. But God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Selah. Do not be afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases, for when he dies he will not take any of it. His glory will not descend after him. For while he lives, he blesses his soul. And men will praise you when you do well for yourselves. But his soul shall go to the generation of his fathers. They will eternally not see light. Man is in his honor, but who does not understand? It is like the animals that perish. right. And finally, Proverbs 10, verses 27 and 28. The fear of Yahweh prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. The expe- expectation of the righteous is gladness, but the hope of the wicked will perish. All right. Well, that is our reading for the day. It was kind, of t- kind of a long one, especially the numbers. Um, those, those are always kind of tough ones to read. But um, thank you for spending this time with me this morning. I hope it's been beneficial and edifying for you. Um, I hope you have a wonderful day. I would continue to implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God. And God willing, I will see you this evening. Let's go ahead and cro- close out in prayer. Uh, the prayer we're going to use from Valley of Vision is called The Great God. Let's pray. A fountain, o fountain of all good, destroy in me every lofty thought. Break pride to pieces and scatter it to the winds. Annihilate each clinging shred of self-righteousness. Implant in me true lowliness of spirit. Abase me to self-loathing and self-abhorrence. Open in me a fount of penitential tears. Break me, then bind me up. Thus will my heart be a prepared dwelling for my God. Then can the Father take up his abode in me. Then can the blessed Jesus come with healing in his touch. Then can the Holy Spirit descend in sanctifying grace. O Holy Trinity, THREE PERSONS AND ONE GOD. INHABIT ME, A TEMPLE CONSECRATED TO THY GLORY. WHEN THOU ART PRESENT, EVIL CANNOT ABIDE, IN THY FELLOWSHIP IS FULLNESS OF JOY. BENEATH THY SMILE IS PEACE OF CONSCIENCE. BY THY SIDE NO FEARS DISTURB, NO APPREHENSIONS BANISH REST OF MIND. WITH THEE MY HEART SHALL BLOOM WITH FRAGRANCE. MAKE ME MEET THROUGH REPENTANCE FOR thine INDWELLING. NOTHING exceeds THY POWER. Nothing is too great for thee to do, Nothing too good for thee to give. Infinite is thy might, Boundless thy love, Limitless thy grace, Glorious thy saving name. Let angels sing for sinners repenting, Prodigals restored, Backsliders reclaimed, Satan's captives released, Blind eyes opened, Broken hearts bound up, The despondent cheered, The self-righteous stripped, The formalist driven from a refuge of lies, The ignorant enlightened, and saints built up in their holy faith. I ask great things of a great God. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have a wonderful day. And like I said, God willing, I'll see you this evening. Have a good one. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening, and welcome to the evening segment of the Monday, March sixth episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Um, this will be episode one eighty seven. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian Podcast community. You can find us over at Christian Podcast uh, Definitely would be worth your while to get over there. There's a bunch of great listening over there. Um, Truly, there's enough over there. You will run out of time to listen to all the things you want to listen to. All right. Well, like I like I mentioned in the morning segment, we're going to be continuing on in our reading. And um, Thomas Watson's The Godly Man's Picture. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to open up first in prayer from Valley of Vision. This one is called The Dark Guest. Let's pray. O Lord, bend my hands and cut them off, for I have often struck thee with a wayward will, when these fingers should embrace thee by faith. I am not yet weaned from all created glory, honor, honor wisdom, and esteem of others, for I have a secret motive to eye my name in all I do. Let me do not only speak the word sin, but see the thing in itself. Give me to view a discovered sinfulness, to know that though my sins are crucified, they are never wholly mortified. Hatred, malice, ill-will, vainglory, that hungers for and hunts after man's approval and applause, all are crucified, forgiven, but they rise again in my sinful heart. O my crucified but never wholly mortified sinfulness! O my lifelong damage and daily shame! O my indwelling and besetting sins! O the tormenting slavery of a sinful heart! destroy o god the dark guest within whose hidden presence makes my life a hell yet thou hast not left me here without grace the cross still stands and meets my needs in the deepest straits of the soul i thank thee that my remembrance of it is like david's sight of goliath's sword which preached which preached forth thy deliverance the memory of my great sins are many Uh, I'm sorry, the memory of my great sins, my many temptations, my falls bring afresh into my mind the remembrance of thy great help, of thy support from heaven, of the great grace that saved such a wretch as I am. There is no treasure so wonderful as that continuous experience of thy grace toward me, which alone can subdue the risings of sin within. Give me more of it. Amen. All right. In the evening devotion from Spurgeon's morning and evening for March 6th, Uh, The text comes from Proverbs 18:12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. It is an old and common saying that coming events cast their shadows before them. The wise man teaches us that a haughty heart is the prophetic prelude of evil. Pride is as safely the sign of destruction as the change of mercury and the weather glass is the sign of rain, and far more infallibly so than that. When men have ridden the high horse, destruction has always overtaken them. Let David's aching heart show that there is an eclipse of a man's glory when he dotes upon his own greatness. 2 Samuel 24.10 See Nebuchadnezzar, the mighty builder of Babylon, creeping on the earth, devouring grass like oxen until his nails had grown like bird's claws and his hair like eagle's feathers. Daniel 4.33 Pride made the boaster a beast, as once before it made an angel a devil. God hates high looks and never fails to bring them down. All the arrows of God are aimed at proud hearts. O Christian, is thine heart haughty this evening? For pride can get into the Christian heart, Christian's heart as well as into the sinner's. It can delude him into dreaming that he is, at, he is rich and increased in goods, and hath need of nothing. Art thou glorifying in thy graces or thy talents? Art thou proud of thyself that thou hast had holy frames and sweet experiences? Mark thee, reader, there is a destruction coming to thee also. Thy flaunting, the, thy flaunting poppies of self-conceit will be pulled up by the roots. Thy mushroom graces will wither in the burning heat, and thy self-sufficiency shall become as straw for the dunghill if we forget to live at the foot of the cross in deepest lowliness of spirit. God will not forget to make us smart under his rod. A destruction will come to thee, O unduly exalted believer. The destruction of thy joys and of thy comforts though there can be no destruction of thy soul. Wherefore, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. All right. Well, we will be continuing, like I said, in um, Thomas Watson's The Godly Man's Picture. And as I've said before, this is not just for men. This is the godly person. He, he addressed it this way, but this is the godly person's picture. And we've been in the section of showing the characteristics of a godly man, of a godly person. And the one we did last, Um, And the one we're doing this evening is a man who does spiritual, who does spiritual things in a, a man who does spiritual things is done in a spiritual manner. So let's get started. Section 21, a godly man does spiritual things in a spiritual manner. We are the true circumcision, circumcision who worship God in the spirit. Uh, Philippians three, three. Spiritual worship is pure worship. You are built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices. 1 Peter 2.5 Not only spiritual in the matter, but also in the quality. A wicked man either lives in the total neglect of duty, or else he discharges it in a dull, careless manner. Instead of using the world as if he did not use it. 1 Corinthians 7.31 He serves God as if he did not serve him. A godly man spiritualizes duty. He is not only for doing holy things, but for holy doing of things. Question. What does it mean to perform spiritual duties spiritually? Answer. This consists of three things. Number one, doing duties from a spiritual principle, namely a renewed principle of grace. A man may have admirable gifts. He may have the most melting, ravishing expressions. He may speak like an angel come down from heaven yet his duties may not be spiritual if he lacks the grace of the spirit whatever a moral but unregenerate i'm sorry whatever a moral but unregenerate person does is only nature refined even though he may do duties better than a godly man and yet not so well they are better as to the matter and elegance of them yet not so well because he lacks a renewed principle a crab tree may bear fruit as well as an apple tree the fruit may be big and lovelier to the eye and yet the fruit is not as the other, because it does not come from as good a stock. So an unregenerate person may perform as many duties as a child of God, and these may seem to be more glorious to the outward view. But they are harsh and sour, because they do not come from the sweet, pleasant root of grace. A true saint gives God that wine which comes from the pure grape of the Spirit. Number 2. To perform duties spiritually is to do them with the utmost intention. A Christian is very serious and labors to keep his thoughts close to the work at hand, that he may serve the Lord without distraction. 1 Corinthians 7.35 Question. But may not a godly man have roving thoughts in his duties? Answer. Yes. Sad experience proves it. The thoughts will be dancing up and down in prayer. The saints are called stars, and many times in their duty they are wandering stars. The heart is like quicksilver, which will not settle. It is hard to tie two good thoughts together. We cannot lock our hearts so close that distracting thoughts like the wind will not get in. Jerome complains about himself. Sometimes he says, When I am doing God's service, I am walking in the galleries or thinking about accounts. But these wanderings but these wandering thoughts in the godly are not allowed. I hate vain thoughts, Psalm 119 They come as unwelcome guests, which are no sooner spied than turned out of doors. Question, where do these impertinent thoughts arise from in the godly? Answer number one, from the depravity of nature. They are the mud which the heart tosses up. Answer two, from Satan. The devil, if he cannot hinder us from duty, will hinder us in duty. When we come before the Lord, he is at our right hand to oppose us. Zechariah 3.1 As when a man is going to write and another stands at his elbow and jostles him so he cannot write evenly, so Satan will set vain objects before the imagination to cause a diversion. The devil does not oppose formality, but fervency. If he sees that we are setting ourselves in good earnest to seek God, then he will begin whispering things in our ears so we can scarcely pay attention to what we are doing. Answer 3. These impertinent thoughts arise from the world. These vermin are bred out of the earth. worldly business often crowds into our duties while our mouths are speaking to God. our hearts are thinking of the world. They sit before me as my people, but their hearts pursue their own gain ezekiel thirty three thirty one While we are hearing the word of or meditating, some worldly business or other com, commonly or other commonly knocks at the door, and we are taken away from the duty, even while we are in the duty. It is the same with us as it was with Abraham when he was going to worship. The vultures came down on the sacrifices. Genesis 15.11 Question. How may we get rid of these wandering thoughts so that we may be more spiritual in our duty? Answer 1. I, God's purity. He is a holy God whom we serve, and cannot endure, endure when we are worshiping him that we should converse with vanity. Will a king like it that while his subject is speaking to him he should be playing with a feather? Will God endure light, feathery hearts? How devout and reverent the angels are. They cover their faces and cry, Holy, holy. Answer 2. Think of the grand importance of the duties we are engaged in. As David said concerning his building a house for God, The work is great. 1 Chronicles one. When we are hearing the word, the work is great. For this is the word by which we shall be judged. When we are at prayer, the work is great. For we are pleading for the life of our souls. And is this a time to trifle? Answer 3. Come with affliction to duty. The nature of love is to fix the mind upon the object. For one who is in love, his thoughts are still upon the person he loves, and nothing can distract him. For the one who loves the world, his thoughts are ever intent upon it. If our hearts were more filled with love, they would be more fixed in duty. And oh, what cause we have to love duty! Is this not the direct road to heaven? Do we not meet with God here? Can the spouse be better than in in her husband's company? Where can the soul be better than in drawing near to God? Answer 4. Consider the mischief that these vain distracting thoughts do. They blow away our duties. They hinder fervency. They show great irreverence. They tempt God to turn his ear from us. Why do we think God should heed our prayers when we ourselves scarcely heed them? Number 3. To do duty spiritually is to do them in faith. By faith Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. Hebrews 11.4 The holy oil for the tabernacle had several spices put into it. Exodus 30.34 Faith is the sweet spice which must be put into duty. It is a a wrong done to God to doubt either his mercy or his truth. A Christian may venture his soul upon the public faith of heaven. Use 1. How far out of the way of godliness are those who are unspiritual in their worship, who do no duties from a renewed principle, nor with the utmost intention of soul, but merely to shut the mouth of conscience. Many people look no further than the bare doing of duties. They never mind how they are done. God does not judge our duties by the length, but by the love. When men try to put God off with the dregs of duty, may he not say, as in Isaiah, Is it such a fast that I have chosen? Isaiah 58, 5. Are these the duties I required? I called for the heart and spirit, and you bring nothing but the carcass of duty. Should I receive satisfaction in this? Use 2. Let us show ourselves godly by being more spiritual in duty. It is not how much we do, but but how well. A musician is commended not for playing long, but for playing well. We must not only do what God appoints, but as God appoints. Oh, how many are unspiritual in spiritual things! They bring their services, but not their hearts. They give God the skin, but not the fat of the offering. God is spirit, John 4.24, and it is the spiritual of duty he is best pleased with. Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, 1 Peter 2.5. The spirits of the wine are best, so is the spiritual part of duty. Making melody in your hearts to the Lord, Ephesians 5.19. It is the heart that makes the music. The spiritualizing of duty gives life to it. Without this, it is only dead It is only dead praying, dead hearing, and dead things are not pleasing. A dead flower has no beauty. A dead breast has no sweetness. Question. What may we do to perform duties in a spiritual manner? Answer 1. Let the soul be kept pure. Lust besots and dispirits a man. Beware of any tincture of uncleanness. James 1.21 Wood that is full of sap will not easily burn, and a heart steeped in sin is not fit to burn in holy devotion. Can the one who feeds carnal lust be spiritual in worship? Whoredom and wine and new wine takes away the heart. Hosea 4.11 Any sin lived in takes away the heart. Such a person has no heart to pray or meditate. The more alive the heart is in sin, the more it dies in duty. Answer 2 if we would be spiritual in duty, let us resolve these two things in our mind. Number 1. The profit which comes from a duty performed in a spiritual manner. It enfeebles corruption. It increases grace. It defeats Satan. It strengthens our communion with God. It breeds peace of conscience. It procures answers of mercy, and it leaves the heart always in a better tune. Number 2. The danger of doing duties in a spirit unspiritual manner. They are as if they had not been done. For what the heart does not do is not done. Duties carelessly performed turn ordinances into judgments. Therefore many, though they are are often in duty, go away worse than their duty. If medicine is not well made and the ingredients rightly tempered, it is as bad as poison for the body. So too, if duties are not well performed, they leave the heart harder and more sinful than before. Unspiritual duties often create temporal judgments. The Lord our God made a breach Sorry, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for we did not seek him in the due order. First Chronicles, is that right? First Chronicles fifteen thirty one. I think that's right. Therefore, God makes breaches in families and relationships, because people do not worship him in that manner and do order which he requires. Answer three, if we would have our duties be spiritual, we must get our hearts spiritual. An earthly heart cannot be spiritual in duty let us beg from God a spiritual palate to relish the sweetness and holy things. For lack of spiritual hearts, we come to duty without delight and go away without profit. If a man would have the wheels of his watch move regularly, he must mend the spring. Christian, if you want to move more spiritually in duty, then get the spring of your heart mended. All right. Well, that is our reading in Thomas Watson's The Godly Man's Prayer for today. It was a little bit of short, but uh, that's okay. It's kind of late at night, so I needed to go ahead and get this done. Uh, Thank you for spending this time with me. I I hope it was uh, beneficial for you. It was edifying for you. Um, I'm definitely getting a lot out of this. Um, I hope you have a wonderful evening, and God willing, I'll see you in the morning. Let's go ahead and close out with prayer, as we usually do on Mondays. It's the second day evening prayer. It's called Bounty. Let's pray. Thou great and only potentate, thou hast made summer and winter, day and night. Each of these revolutions serves our welfare, and is full of thy care and kindness. Thy bounty is seen in the relations that train us, the laws that defend us, the homes that shelter us, the food that builds us, the raiment that comforts us, the continuance of our health, members, senses, understanding, memory, affection, will. But as stars fade before the rising sun, thou hast eclipsed all these benefits in the wisdom and grace that purposed redemption by Jesus thy son. Blessed be thy mercy that laid help on one that is mighty and willing, one that is able to save to the uttermost. Make us deeply sensible of our need of his saving grace, of the blood that cleanses, of the rest he has promised, and impute to us that righteousness which justifies the guilty, gives them a title to eternal life and possession of the spirit may we love the freeness of salvation the and joy in its holiness give us faith to grasp thy promises that are our hope provide for every exig- Sorry. exigency and prevent every evil keep our hearts from straying after forbidden pleasures may thy will bind all our wishes let us live out of the world as to its spirit maxim manners, but live in it as the sphere of our action and usefulness. May we be alive to every call of duty, accepting without question thy determination of our circumstances and our service. Amen. All right, again, hope you have a wonderful evening, and I hope to see you in the morning. Have a good night. God bless.